Okay, we got one. We got one. One out of whatever, 50 people here. Well, retired. There you go. But isn't it interesting that in a country where we choose what we do, we're free, we choose what we do, that the normal experience of even Christians is to not live very rested. But if I could tell you the secret to being rested, would you want to know it? Of course you would. So isn't that a compelling, interesting, intriguing idea? If the Bible has stuff to say about rest, maybe it's something worthwhile for us to dig into. Um, And I'll say this. Part of the reason, part of the core of who we are as a church is for the simple power of the Word of God and the Spirit of God to change us from just living human existence lives, from just living as citizens of this earth, from just living like anybody else in the world. We believe with all of our heart and soul that this is the Word of God, that it has truth that should be uh, instructive, should be accepted by faith, should be believed, and that when we do, it does miracles. Some of the miracles it, it does are things we take for granted. For example, most of you, I would venture to say maybe even all of you, have received Christ as your Savior. That is a miracle. That is a transformation from death to life. And you know how you found out about it? Because God revealed himself in his word. And then the Holy Spirit came after you and said, "You, you need to receive this. And you said yes to the truth. And that truth changed you from a child of darkness into a child of light. I mean... We take that for granted because, yeah, I'm a Christian, whatever. But realize we were doomed, condemned, ready for death, enemies of God. And because of the truth of God's word, my very spirit is materially changed. Every part of my spirit is not what it was before. My old man is gone, 2 Corinthians 5, the new man has come. So you have been literally, like Jesus said, born again because of the simple truth of God's word that Jesus died on the cross for you, that he rose again, that his blood paid for your sin, that he took your place and your punishment, and that he offers you forgiveness, and that his resurrection provides new life for you. Simple truths. Nobody's like, what? Jesus rose again. We know these things, but they change us. Sometimes we overcomplicate things that should be simple. And I think rest is one of those things. I think we we get ourselves out of whack as believers. Um, And in America, maybe more than anywhere else, we choose it. While while saying we're not choosing it. So tonight, what I would say is this. We live in a culture, and we are part of the culture, where unrest is an epidemic. We live on the edge Go, 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 24-7, got to get it done, got to keep achieving, got to keep reaching, got to keep pushing, got to perform better than the next guy. Otherwise, my job could be lost, my family could be at risk, whatever. My ego could be crushed. Whatever it is, we live in this constant go, go, go. And it is an epidemic that is destroying people 
And we identify it in so many different ways. We identify the fallout of it in things like depression, in things like, uh, you know, despair and, and broken relationships and things that, that are awful. And we try to manage the fallout, but I don't know that we ever get down to the, here's the core. This is where it starts. And I wonder why that is. Why that is such a almost universal struggle for us as believers. When that kind of stuff hits me, it starts to make me curious and inquisitive. Huh, I wonder why that is. I wonder why that is such a everybody has this trap laid out in front of them. I wonder if it means there's something at stake there spiritually. Something big that the enemy doesn't want to happen and God offers. So there's a battle going on here and we just didn't even notice it. We just accepted it. We just thought it was the way it is. Have you ever asked yourself that question? Maybe ask yourself this question tonight because I want to get some, I want to get you thinking out loud with me a little bit because I want to dig into some of these truths. Is there, is it possible to live with your soul at rest. Not just find it every now and then, but like live. Do you really believe it's possible to live with your soul at rest? So that's a key belief. Now, and, and a lot of people, like as Ryan says that, I'm going, yeah, that's right. But a lot of us go, yeah, that's right. But I can't get there. It's, I mean, theoretically, it's right. But for me, I just give up. In other words, do you genuinely believe for you there's an invitation and an opportunity for your soul to be at rest? Maybe... Maybe the, the, um, the problems in your life, maybe the struggles, maybe the overwhelmness are about a, a conflict of faith. What do you believe? So let's start here. Uh, I, I'm going to read a core passage for us at Hope from Matthew 11. It's on the note sheet if you, if you have it. Um, we're going to read some other things, but I'm going to read these red letter words for you. Uh, actually, when you sign into our Wi-Fi, uh, we reference this because Matthew 11 is because of this passage right here. This is something that we started um, very early on looking at, diving into, uh, dissecting, and trying to hold on to uh, as a group of believers. Matthew 11, Jesus says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. There's a reason why that verse is a very famous verse. There's, as I read those verses, something inside of my soul and probably inside of yours says, yeah, I need that. That, yes. Oh, that's a promise beyond measure. What is that? I've got to find that. And then we go back to life. And life beats us up and we, I don't know how to do that. But, 
if I start with the premise that this is the word of God, that Jesus is the son of God, that what God says in the word of God through Jesus and, and written and recorded for us is true, then what I know from the start is there is rest offered to you for your soul. There is rest for you for your soul. Now, started by saying how many of us live at rest, and it's not a real common experience. Rest in my soul, right? Why do we not live at rest? So let's brainstorm a little bit. What are some sources of unrest in our lives? Places where we trip over regularly, or maybe if you want to get generic so you're not being too exposed, people trip over, not me, but people trip over them and find themselves in turmoil instead of in rest in their soul. Let's just think of the different kind of zones or different areas where that might be the case. Buddy. Children. Yes. I mean, not my children, but children. Yes. Because we worry about them, because they challenge us, because we don't know what to do, because there's financial problems. All of children, the whole zone is a place where, you know, we can get very, very stirred up. Keith. Distraction. Right? That, that feels... The great thing about distraction is, as a trap, it feels like it should bring rest. And it doesn't. Have you ever noticed that? It brings addiction. It brings change sometimes, but it doesn't bring rest to my soul. But I feel like if I could just come home and get distracted from my problems, then I'll be at rest. Except that's not the source of it. But it's a tripping point because it's so believable as a way to get rest. Right. Peer pressure. What do people think you should do? And what are they doing in comparison to what you do? That pressure constantly you feel around you, whether it's in a family or at a job or whatever, always pushing and you feel like you're living under it, right? Peer pressure. Good one. What else? Relationships. People are weird. And they, they bring pressure into your life. They have expectations on you. They get mad at you. Sometimes they don't do what you want them to do. Sometimes they bring heartache into your life because you were connected to them and now you're not connected to them. And, or you, know, you were close and now you're not as close. And, or they said something and it mattered to you because you were close to them. And so there's burden. There's trouble. There's turmoil that comes into my life through relationships, through people around me. Yeah, for sure. Bob. Health, right? I mean... It, when, when you're okay and people around you are okay, it doesn't really occur to you as much. But when you're walking through a journey of struggle for health, boy, that trying to make decisions and figure out what, what does this mean and where is this going. And, and, man, the enemy loves to attack us with the uncertainties of health struggles, for sure. Mary. Okay. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting because is it the privilege that is the distraction? Maybe. I, that's a, but it's an interesting description to say that when I have more, it seems that I have more unrest. And some people who have less seem to be more at peace in their life. So, But those are the kind of inquisitive, like 
awarenesses that start to pull me into what does God say about this? And why is that? Should be, if my needs are met and I don't have to worry about them, that should bring more rest to my soul. And it sometimes doesn't, often doesn't bring more rest to my soul. Why not? Okay. Concern over family members that aren't saved. So I look around me and I have a spiritual concern. And that's a, that's a really uh, sticky one. Because it, when I'm talking about your soul being at rest, this is a spiritual concern for the eternal well-being of someone else. And so I can get wrapped up in watching and, and monitoring what are they saying? What are they doing? Did they come to church? Are they responding or not responding? Did someone bump into them? I've had people before say to me, you know, I've been praying for so-and-so, and then I realized that they drive to work every day with this person who's a believer, or they sit next to this guy at school or whatever, and I'm just like, yes, because, and it's kind of like I see something happening, and funny thing is, something might have been happening, and you didn't know it, and you were at unrest, even though some, so what is it about stuff like that? Because it's not wrong to be concerned about people who are unsaved, but it shouldn't bring unrest to my soul. So how do I... How do I sort that out? Good one. What else? What do we say? Finances, right? When uh, both ways, <laughs> when you have a lot and when you have not enough, and and some people would define the not enough different ways. They would maybe some people would look at yours and say yours is plenty. Other people would look at yours and say yours is not enough. It's a very perspective-based decision. But the pressures of finances. Lord, I trust you with everything. You've got to come through. There's a bill that needs to be paid, and I trust you with it. Right up until the day it's due, or coming close to being due. And then, you know, I was 100% trust, now it's uh, 70% trust. And then the day it's due, it's, you know, 100% untrust. Like, where are you, God? What did you do? Right? Finances have a way of overriding what I say I believe is true, and who I say I believe I trust, because they are so real. They're so, you know, cut and dry numbers and, and it's this or it's that. It's a yes or it's a no. And so therefore, it feels to me so definitive, so solid, so true. And what I say I believe is eternally true somehow gets muddled off into the distance. So, I mean, and we took 10 minutes here and just kind of brainstormed together. We could come up with a million of these things. There are traps in your life every single day that are laid out in front of you and if you don't bite on this one, don't worry. There's another one coming. Right? It's, it's like trying... Have you ever tried to chase down a, a, a rumor? You know? And as, the more you chase it down, the further it's gone. You know, it's like... You just can't quite get a hold of it. It's kind of like that. It's, there's no end to the pitfalls to take you from a place of promised rest. What I would say is, as a believer, your birthright... You are a child of Almighty God. And when you were born again, He offered you rest for your soul. And somehow we got duped into forfeiting it. And I would say, kind of like Esau, we came in from outdoors and we retired and we saw something that promised rest or suggested rest. And we traded real rest for the soup. You know, he gave away his birthright because he was hungry in the moment. What good is my birthright if I die? I'll never get to rest unless I get a break. And so there, there are these things all around us. We live without rest. And we live without rest, I would say, if I'm going to 
think out loud with you a little bit. We live at rest because we believe that rest is something we shouldn't or can't have. Maybe we don't deserve it. Maybe it's something that's just so flighty and hard to capture and I'm just not able to capture it. Right? We live at unrest because we believe lies. Simply put, we believe something that's not true. Something that's not true. It can be any genre of it, but it's something that's not true. We live at unrest in our soul because we believe something untrue. We justify it because we can logically say that it is true. Right? All the things we just talked about, you can factually argue that those things are big deals and I can't possibly put my head on the pillow at night and just lay down with rest in my soul while that situation's still broiling. Just doesn't make any logical sense, right? And so we believe something that's not true. And in believing that thing that's not true, we've said, well, we can't believe anything else because it's the reality of my life. And so we set aside the birthright because faith seems too far away. Faith seems too unreal and unsolid for us. Anybody identify with this? So let's kind of talk about how we find our way to rest. And we're going to, what we're going to do is I want to talk about the conversation we have in our head, and I want to pull apart Matthew 11 tonight, and then I'll give you a preview of some of the things we're going to talk about in the weeks that are to come, okay? So basically, if, if it's an issue of believing, let's just examine a couple of easy to identify with lies that we believe about life, okay? So this conversation we have with ourselves, I can't have rest, or I'm not somebody who's just, I, I can't be at peace in my soul. I can't have quietness in my soul until my life calms down. Like, I have no choice because I don't get a say about what's happening in my life. And because life is crazy, I don't have a choice. Nothing I can do until my life calms down. Now, you may not say those exact words, but have you lived like that? Like, ah, oh, could I just catch a break? As though what I need is a break so that my soul can be at rest. Anybody ever said that? So isn't that what I'm saying? Could, if my life would calm down, if the circumstances I can't control would calm down, then I would be able to have the rest that God promised me. But by implication, what I'm saying is, unless that happens, it's hopeless for me. I just got to live in this swirl of chaos. And that we get there by this, sounds logical, how could you be at rest if you don't know if you're going to get you know, foreclosed on and you're evicted from your home or if you don't know if you're going to lose your job or you don't know the status of your relationship or you don't know what's going to happen in your health? If these circumstances are out there, they're not going anywhere. They're big deals and they're on me. How could I be at rest with that? I can't be at rest until all that gets settled and goes away. This is the human way of thinking. Go with me to Psalm 62 and let's see what uh, God inspired as the psalmist writes in Psalm 62 about rest. So David writes, verse 1, Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. Truly He is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. As I read that, Something that jumps out to me right away is the truly part. I don't, I don't know how that hits you. Here's how that hits me. 
Like David is having that conversation with himself. He's going, come on, David. Now you know this is true. This is what you know is for sure. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. Which says you don't find rest where? In measuring what's going on around you. In the, that means the rest for your soul is not dependent on whether your life is in a turmoil or whether your life is calm. Whether things are going forward as you expected or not going forward as you expected. Whether you know what's coming or you don't. Your rest does not depend on that. What does it depend on? God. And, and God, some of the things we know about God. What are some of the things we know about God? Okay, so there is a permanence, right? Through, through thick or thin, God will never forsake us, leave us on our own, leave us to ourselves. What else do we know about God? He's almighty. Nothing is too big. Nothing is too hard. Not your financial situation, your relationship situation, your health situation. Not, not any of those. God is greater than all. God is able to do all of that. Okay, so we know that about him. What else do we know about him? God loves us. His heart is for us. He gave his son for us. Does that give you a clue as to how he feels about you? So if God is all powerful and God loves you, and God will never leave you or forsake you, and God never gets tired out, and God never changes, so the day that he died on the cross for you, he feels the same way about you today as he did that day. You don't because you're bored with you or you're frustrated with you or you're like you've had it with you, right? But God feels exactly the same about you as he did the day you were born and the day that you gave your life to him and the best day you ever had with God. God is the same with you. So my rest comes from an unchanging, all-powerful, ever-present Heavenly Father who loves me. And will hold nothing back from me that is good. Not even his own son. So when David says, my soul finds rest in God, he says, when I'm at unrest, I go looking for rest. And I go find rest, not in figuring out stuff. I go here. My soul finds rest in God. Why? He's my salvation. My salvation comes from him. He is my rock. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. And he said, when he says, I will never be shaken, he, he's certainly not describing a calm life, is he? Like, in the statement of I will not be shaken, it's not, nothing's trying to shake me. It's, stuff's trying to shake me, but I am grounded, I am firm, I am rooted in this, that God is my fortress, my salvation, my refuge, and I can depend on him, I am safe in him, and so I can rest in him. The picture is, if I had like, you know, a storytelling gift here or something like that, the idea of a little newborn baby at rest, sleeping in the arms of its parent, doesn't have any concern or fear about what's coming or, it's not their job, it's beyond, they don't, newborn babies, they're not worried about what am I going to do for a career, mom and dad have me. And when Jesus talks about, come to me like a little child, there's some truth connecting there for us. 
do you recognize that your life is in the hands of Almighty God and that you are safe there, that you can rest there? Not that there's not stuff to do. We're going to talk about that. There's things that we need to do. But the foundation of it isn't, I need to do so I can find rest. It's I find rest in my God. And then whatever he asks me to do, I can do, but I can do it at rest instead of in a tizzy. Does that make sense? If that doesn't ring true to you, let's keep going in Psalm 62. Because he talks about, my soul finds rest in God. He's my rock and salvation. I will never be shaken. Verse 3, how long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from Him. Truly, He's my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. Can you identify with the conversation David's having with himself? Look up. This is where I'm going to find rest. And then he looks around and he tells us what he sees. I'm a, I'm a wall that is just about to fall over. I'm in danger. I've got everybody coming against me. Everybody's attacking me. Everybody's delighting in my presumed downfall. Where am I going now? My soul finds rest in God. That discussion is something that you and I have available to us by faith. Do we engage it by faith? Or do we excuse it? My soul would like to find rest in God. But they intend to topple me. They take delight in lies. They curse me. You know, they're assaulting me. I, I would like to find rest. See, see how that shifts? And as soon as I do that shift, and we all do it all the time, I've bought into the lie of the enemy that what people are doing and what things are happening in my life are greater than my God, are more important, are more true than the rest that I can find in Jesus Christ. I would suggest to you that some of the power in the church that is missing today are people who live like their life depends on God. And some of the hypocrisy that is seen and, and echoed back to us from the world, why I would never become a Christian, is because we don't live like that. We live like them. We live like them with a superior air to us. We're better than you. We're the same as you, but we're better than you. And that just rings so hollow. But can you imagine if the body of Christ lived at rest in their soul? It would be a magnet beyond compare for the glory of God. Because if God is trustworthy enough for this person and this person and this person, and you start to hear about what's going on in their life and what's going on in their life, and they're still at rest in their soul, and how can that be? It's a light that shines. It's a magnet that draws. It's an invitation to come and join us because God is faithful and God is true. So you can see why the enemy likes to trip us up in the zone. Um, another one that I wrote down here. Some people just have the personality to be, you know, chill. Some people are just calm by nature. I'm not one of those people. So too bad for me. I'm uptight. I know some people and they're just relaxed. And isn't that great for them? But it's just not, it's not my way. It's not my thing. Um, Psalm 116, verse 7. Here's what he says. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. So there's a rest. 
given to us in our soul, and we are having a conversation with ourselves, saying, let's go back to that. How do I get back to that according to this verse? Return. I, I'm, I'm making the choice to. But what's the traction? What about God? God has been good to you. So, anybody here, God's been good to you. Have you rehearsed that recently? Have you put your mind around it and thought through? Have you spent more time thinking about the turmoil around you or the goodness of God? Maybe I respond to where I set my mind. Maybe that's why Paul says, set your mind on things above. Set your heart on things above, not on things of this world. And as a matter of fact, as you continue in Colossians 3 off of that, what he says is, put to death your flesh. The mind of the flesh, the acts of the flesh. Put them to death. Because they're going to kill you, so you better kill them. Set your mind on things above. Set your heart on things above. The idea here of return to your rest, how do I do it? For the Lord has been good to you. Has the Lord been good to you? So if the Lord's been good to you, it's a pathway. It's a, it's a marker along the path of find rest. Return to your rest, my soul. And so this conversation that you were invited to is a conversation where I confront the lies that this world and the enemy and even my flesh want to say to me about my life with the truth. I rehearse the truth that comes from God's word back answering the conversation in my head from all these other sources. Those other sources are relentless. So if you want rest, you got to be relentless. You've got to be assured. You've got to dig deep roots down into this truth. It's why in Psalm 1 where it talks about uh, in his law he meditates day and night. In the truth. Meditates day and night. Constantly keeping the truth of God's word in front of your mind. Why? Because then he'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. What, what, what's the significance of that? Tree planted by the rivers of water. Always water. Always growing. Always refreshed. Right? Its leaf doesn't wither, meaning when drought comes or some bad thing comes, they still have all they need. That tree is planted by the river of water. It's still getting its drinks from the river, right? So the idea there is if you and I will be at the ready with a conversation in our head that answers the conversations that present themselves to us with the truth we believe, we have the opportunity by faith to embrace the rest that God offers us. No one here is excluded from a rested soul. It may take some learning process, but nobody here is excluded. All right, so let's go to Matthew 11, this passage that I have printed out here. Uh, Matthew 11, 28 to 30. And let's look at this, see what we notice as we go through this. So as you, I'm going to read it again, and as I read it, I want you to tell me what sticks out to you, what, what kind of nuggets of truth you can pull from this that might teach us something about this rest that Jesus is offering slash calling us to. All right? So I'll read it. You kind of take mental notes. And the thing that's the biggest thing, you share that with me. Matthew 11 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. All right, so what do we, let's learn about rest here. What do we see there? What insights can we gather? What truth is Jesus trying to express? What do you think he's trying to get across? What thing can you grab out of those three verses 
that says, here's something Jesus is teaching us about rest for our soul. Okay? So sometimes what we believe, what we act like is we go to God, He gives us rest, and then we go on our way. Like, thank you for the rest. I'll, I'll take it from here. But that's not how this talks about it. This talks about it as rest comes from connectedness. Where do you get that out of here, Hap? Did you, any words give you that? To me. Right. Yoke. Okay. So there is a connect. Come to me. It's very personal. And the yoke. Partnering. Right? Togetherness there. And so there is a connectedness. How connected you are to your Lord is how connected you will be to the rest that he offers you. So that puts a different priority in your life, doesn't it? If you want rest, there's there are things that need to not be as big of a priority. And there are things that do need to be a bigger priority. The things that surround your relationship with Christ, those things need to be forefront. Because that's the resource, that's the river of water that you want to be the tree planted beside. That relationship with the Lord. What else did you notice in those verses? Fine. Okay? Yeah. Come to me. Who's qualified to come? All. You believe that? All. And and he goes past all. All you who are weary and burdened. Anybody here now is disqualified? <laughs> Those who are already at rest, you don't have to come find rest. Anyone, anyone who is weary and burdened can come and find rest from Christ. That's powerful, isn't it? And it, it just, in my head, the way I think goes, so why do we live any other way? If he says, I will give you rest, literally saying, this is a gift that I will give you. It isn't about your performance. It isn't about a reward. It isn't about earning it. It's a gift I will give you. You didn't, here's how you earned it. You were weary and burdened. And when I said, I want to give you rest, you came. Right? It's fantastic. It's transformational. It's life-giving. So why do we act like it's like, I wish I could have that, but I got to go live life. I got to go get stuff to do. Like, why do we disdain it? Why do we look down on it like that and move away from it? as though it's either not possible or not that great a deal or not something I need right now. You know what I mean? That's, when I read that, that's what it does in my head. I'm like, what, what kind of fools are we that we don't... It's an offer that's beyond compare, beyond price. A gift from our Savior to us. And it's something that universally everybody says, I want that. If you could tell me how to find rest, I would want that. But then when Jesus tells us how to come and find rest, yeah, I don't know, I can't do, it's not, I don't know, my life, if you only knew. 
know what I mean? We just right away, here we go over here. Instead of like, man, I, I've got a hunger for that. I've got a passion for that. I've got to have that. Show me what it takes. Exactly right. Yep. So, I mean, here's the, the amazing thing about what you just said, Bob. We've already done this when we came to the Lord for salvation. We've already done this. And it was the greatest decision of your life. I've never met a Christian who was like, yeah, it was all right, you know. It's the greatest decision of my life. And it was, I'm so glad I did it. But in this one, we fight against the work of God to give us rest. So, and that's a great point, Kai, because here's the, how many people live in this world like their salvation is something that they have a part of? If I could clean this up, if I could get rid of this, if I could go to church enough, whatever. And we go, how could you believe that? Your salvation is something you can't do anything about. You just have to come and trust. Of course you do. But it's because we're on this side of it, right? But with rest, I go, well, yeah, but I could fix this and I could address that. And if I could chase this down and I could stomp that out and I could talk to that person, and whatever, then I could find rest. I could have a part in it. But it's the same surrender. It's the same give up that it is in salvation. It's the same abandonment of human strength and human power and dependence on Almighty God that brings rest to my soul. In other words, I live, the invitation is for me to live as though I'm totally good because I'm totally God's. Whatever comes... My mistakes, somebody else's mistakes, bad fortune, whatever. I'm totally good because God's got me. Just like he has me forever, he's got me right now. We just fight against that as though we have to set it right somehow in our soul. And it's a battle that goes on. Look at some of the things that he says here. I I think this is really interesting. He says, take my yoke on me. A yoke is... You all know what a, a, a yoke pictures, right? A couple of ox together that are going to plow a field. They're, they're coupled up. A yoke is for doing work. So here's what Jesus says. Take my yoke on me. Let's get to work. And I will give you rest in your soul. Wait a minute. I thought we were resting. I thought we were working. What are we doing? Is it working or resting? What is it? Yes. You see, this is how we get out of focus. We think resting means, I'm not doing anything. I'm just... Resting doesn't mean that in the economy of God. Resting means something else. Kath? 
Yes. Yeah. It's very intentional. Absolutely. And and what I notice about this is we talk about yoke. Whatever God's calling is, work is in your life, Jesus says, we're going to partner and do it. So whatever you're facing, I want you to recognize this. Because then he says, learn of me. So learn this about me. Look over to your side. And there I am pulling with you, carrying the burden with you, doing the work with you. My Take my yoke, choose my yoke, choose to do it with me, choose to see me with you, and learn of me. And then he says, learn of me because, what, do you see what he said? Learn of me because, so part of the key to learning how to find rest in my soul, to receive this gift, I will give you rest. He says, you have to learn of me, and what you have to learn of him is that he is gentle and humble in heart. So that would imply that a barrier to rest is not having learned that he is gentle and humble in heart. What do people often struggle with about God when life is hard? So God isn't trustworthy. If something bad is happening to me, in life, there's a natural human tendency to go, God, you're being harsh with me. Are you? How many times have I talked to somebody whose life's going off the rails and they go, maybe God's punishing me. I mean, I'm telling you, like 90% of the time, that is a normal human response. God must be mad at me. I don't know what I did wrong, but he must be punishing me. We question whether he's gentle and humble in heart. And Jesus said, if you'll learn of me, that that's what I am, then when I take yoke with you, it's easy to walk. Right? There's callings, there's things to do. But take my yoke and learn of me. Learn of me. That this is what I am, and this is who I am. Yes. Yeah. And um, we'll see this on Sunday. There is a sense that Christ walked this journey. He is an experienced man and says, follow my path. I know how to do this. I'll show you how. So there is a learning of him, learning from him. And as you think about that, these words will bore into your brain. They will start to call you to ask your Lord some questions and listen for his answers. He'll start to show you where you have unplugged things that need to be plugged in, where you have brushed aside something important or where you've picked something up that should be way off to the side and put it right in the side. Like, he'll start to show you. You'll start to learn from him. And what he's saying in this verse is that it isn't about not being productive or not being active. He's saying that there is a way 
to be supernaturally at work producing unbelievable results by partnering up with your Lord and having a soul that is at rest. So whatever your huge miraculous challenges, whether it's parenting or finances or relationship or whatever, whatever it is, the invitation is for you to recognize that God is the one in partnership with you. And then he says the last word, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. In other words, who's carrying the weight here? I mean, we're both in the yoke, but who's carrying the weight here? He is. I got to get there in my soul. I've got to get there in the posture of my soul. I've got to have that answer for the doubts that come my way in order for me to be open to the rest that he wants to give. And that, to me, that passage will sort you out. If you want to know where rest is, he just told you where it is. We can come and find him. Now, on the other hand, because we had we to bring this to a close. On the other hand, what I'll tell you is there's a strategy at play in every one of your lives from Satan himself. And that strategy is what I would call the treadmill strategy. Now we're New Year and everybody's going to go work out. Anybody been on a treadmill this year so far? Okay, here's the, here's the demonic thing about treadmills, right? You walk and you walk and you walk and you walk and you get nowhere. And you sweat and you breathe and you get thirsty and you, you know, and you go nowhere. You expend lots and lots of energy, but you make no progress. There are treadmill strategies in your life that the enemy himself puts in front of you. And the design is to waste your energy on something that will bring you no progress. You will be exhausted and frustrated and discouraged and wondering if God cares about you at all because you're on a treadmill. And he's got you running and rolling. The enemy would love to take the people of God, use up all their energy and strength, and disconnect them from the power that comes by faith. And so he will find anything that will keep you busy, worn out, and fruitless. And keep you there as often as possible. That's what when he talks about distraction. There's so much in our society that is about distraction taking up my time, taking up my energy for something that two weeks from now, two days from now, I will have nothing to show for it and no good came from it. But I spent myself on it. There are people who worry over stuff and they've never asked themselves the question, will my worrying make a difference? They just sit there and spend themselves worrying, falling into the enemy's trap that somehow they believe, somehow this is what I should do. This is a good thing to do. This is a thing that will help. Or this is a thing that says that I care. When all it is is the enemy's lie to wipe you out. Because that's what he wants to do. What did Jesus say the thief came to do? Kill, steal, destroy. Does that sound like what he's doing in your life with things like worry? Right? So recognize the fingerprint of Satan's strategy and start to say, no, I'm not believing it. It's not that I'm not doing it because what I do will depend on what I believe. But start with, I'm not believing this. I'm not believing that it's true because the lie is what gets me on the treadmill. And so don't let Satan direct all of those things 
in your life to a place where you are at unrest and you feel like it is your, uh, your doom. <laughs> you know, it's your lot in life to be worn out all the time. It is not. People of God, we are called to be people who are rested, refreshed, revived, alive, children of light, right? Children with the power of God. God has not given us spirit of fear, but of power. Power. Is that how we would describe the, the church of God in America? The spirit of power? Or the spirit of, spirit of exhaustion? Who's winning and how are they winning in this battle? We've been given rest. All right, so what I would tell you is this. Over the coming weeks, we're going to take a look at a very uh, at several, the things that are in my head, of how Satan right now has some strategies to keep us from rest. And I listed them here. The myth of more, the comparison trap, the cancer of fear, and the bottomless pit of guilt, shame, and regret. Those are the things that come to my mind when I think about how is the enemy strategizing to get you off the rails. Those things are very contemporary, very right now, and so we're going to talk about them uh, in the coming weeks. I would like to give you all some homework. Yay! You can applaud if you want. That's fine. Um, I'm going to give you some homework because work is not the reason that you're at unrest. My yoke is easy. Work sometimes is what it takes to find rest. So I'm going to throw this at you. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 to 11. The author of Hebrews launches into this discussion about the rest that there is for the people of God. And he compares the rest to the rest that was promised to Israel in the wilderness. And he says, since some of them didn't enter his rest, there remains a rest for the people of God. He's comparing our invitation to rest to the children of Israel's invitation to enter the promised land. I would like for you to dig into that and say, you know, he says at the beginning, make sure you don't fall short of it. So what's he talking about there? And according to that passage, what would you say are the ways that we enter that rest? Okay, I think that if you dig into that, if you explore that, God will have some things to teach you as you look into Hebrews 4. And then we'll get back to this next week. All right. So I'm excited about this. I think this is an awesome, awesome topic for us to look at. I think it's right at the kingdom of darkness in our lives right now. And I think we probably could have 500 people here, you know, that would all be able to get stuff out of this. We're going to try to post this. I'm not, but somebody's going to try to post this online um, after they get it in their hands. It might be Sunday before anybody with sound experience can do that. Um, so we can share it with other people. But for me, it's really important that we make it a priority to get, get together on Wednesday night and explore this. And look at some.